1: I'm Pinar,
2: and welcome to our listeners to this episode of Productivity Cast, where we're going to be doing another interview. And uh, this time, we have the uh, founder of the Roost Stand with us, James Olander. Welcome to the show, James. Hello, thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. So a little bit about James. He found the right thing to work on by being very close to a problem that affected him personally, and discovering an unsolved problem in that particular space. He had been working at a laptop for years hunched over until it put him out of commission. That is, he got repetitive stress injury or RSI, carpal tunnel, constant neck and back pain. And James' career started actually in aerospace engineering. He worked on satellites and rockets, mainly on lightweight structures. When he came across the ergonomic crisis with his laptop, he found that no one made a compelling solution, something as portable as his laptop that could help solve the bad posture laptops put us in. He then decided to put his engineering background into practice and worked to develop a laptop stand that was indeed very portable. He put it on Kickstarter, and they, as they say, the rest is history. So it brought us the Roost Stand. James, give us a little bit of background in terms of what the Roost Stand is and how it's different, maybe, than from some of the other products that were out there on the market at the time.
0: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, you know, there's this idea that like, you only will use stuff if it's uh, easy enough to use and it's not like a, a huge pain because like no one no one wants to carry more stuff or or fidget with with bad things and you know not that we can execute at this level but the you know the apples mantra that it you know it just works and and how it's a pleasure to use um, it, 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 that is really important for for us humans to actually use stuff and so when I was looking around there wasn't a there was nothing that was uh, remotely close to something you'd actually want to take with you and was was not like a fidgety, kludgy thing to set up and didn't look pretty obnoxious. The idea was that well, maybe there's a way to come up with a, a neat linkage and some mechanisms that allow this thing to collapse really small and it's easy and we can just get it past that threshold where you'll actually use it and then, and then it'll solve that problem for you because now you don't have any excuses and and it's fun to use. So um, it, uh, that's been really the focus this whole time on designing and and, and working on this problem is, is is how do you keep making it easier to use and solving this problem so that people actually use it. Like that's our that's our measure of success is that you buy the product and then you, you really do use it and it becomes like a daily, part of your daily habit.
2: And so tell me a little bit about your first design. I know we're in currently version 2.0, And what did you learn between the first version and the second version? As you were, as you've gone on this journey to developing an ergonomic portable, you know, laptop stand, and what did you learn? What's new about the new one that was not in the last one?
0: Yeah. So so this was my first time really tackling uh, an entrepreneurial endeavor, you know, since uh, probably since like my own lawn business in in high school. Um, And I started this when I was about twenty six or twenty seven. As uh you know, as we we're saying before, when that's when the ergonomic and the RSI issues kind of caught up with me. Uh that that's something I tell people too. They're like, Oh, I don't need this thing. And and if they're under the age of twenty-five, I just tell them to just wait. Like you know your body will will eventually uh let you know when it's time. Um so so being the first entrepreneurial endeavor, um, trying to make this in a fail or like a you know, fail quick and minimize um minimize like the major production risks where if you have it, like a lot of Kickstarters fail because they have this massive uh, design and production challenge. And if it's your first time making something, uh, you're probably going to fail pretty miserably when you try to scale it up to mass production. So now you start getting into injection molding and you've got a third party manufacturer that's building stuff that uh, you don't really know what the end product's going to be until it actually comes from them. Um, so, so did not want to be in that realm. And so the production of this of v one was actually with a a laser cutter. Um, and so the the same machine that I was doing my prototyping on, I could actually use that same machine to make the production parts. And when you're using a laser cutter, um, we, we you know the, if you look at the first one, it's actually everything is a flat pattern piece of material, so everything's cut just in 2d and then we snap it all together and uh, that's pretty limiting in terms of uh in terms of like all the functionality we we wanted to get in there so we had to really like draw a line at what you know what's the bare minimum feature here or a couple features that we want that are that's going to convince people and uh, want them to have to you know that we want them to use the product with so So V1 was um, kind of the bare minimum, which was super portable, and it gets your screen um, way up off the desk. So when we say like eye level, that's about uh, anywhere from like your screen moving up. So if it's a laptop, your screen's like on the desk, but we want that screen up at least like 8 to 12 inches up off the desk so that the angle your head's making is, is really, you're not looking down anymore. You're just looking horizontal. But that is the key component for ergonomics, at least in terms of the neck. so the first one did just that and it was actually a fixed height, so you couldn't adjust it and I'm kind of a taller guy, so it uh, I sized it for myself and turns out not everyone you know that that didn't work for everyone so the v two is height adjustable and uh, v two also though was mass manufactured so it was a whole new ball game in terms of Uh, production challenges and so that it was good to have a uh, a bunch of history behind us in terms of you know we we had a customer base that was sold on the concept and now we reintroduced a more useful version and we could actually uh, pull off the production without tanking the whole thing the second time around
1: um i'm an ipad only guy i work on my ipad you know most off since the second iPad. Okay. Um, the first iPad, I still carry some of the laptop. When the second iPad came, I stopped carrying a laptop. So I remember the first roost because I loved the concept. And I, at that time was carrying, you know, a computer. When, when you send us the, the second roost to play, I was happily surprised how you know how much went into into the engineering, into the ability to race it and lower, and all that. So obviously, you know, from a person on the outside, you know, I can see how much time and effort went into into developing something that is incredibly light, but at the same time, you know, super durable. And but share with us a little bit what went into this research because, as you said, well, I'm a you know, kind of a taller guy, so I didn't thought about this. It works perfect for me, but then for the not so tall people, did not work as great. So, uh, what went into engineering this second 2.0 version, and and share a little bit more about that that story?
0: Yeah. So the 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 great thing about shipping, uh, even an an MVP of a product, is that you'll get tons of feedback, and uh, the, you know the number one request was, hey, like this, you know. Uh, this isn't the right height for me because um, I'm shorter or taller. And I mean, you, you wouldn't ima- you wouldn't believe like how many people want one that's even like five inches, six inches taller than the current one. So, you know, you imagine like your laptop a foot and a half off the desk and, and there's a number of reasons. One is human bodies are all different shapes and sizes. And then two, when you're moving around and working from different spots, uh, there's no standard in desk height and, and chair, chair height. So. Uh, being able to adapt it to wherever you're you're working from, um, you know, those certainly those are certainly problems that we wanted to to solve, and the benefit of having the screen at eye level, and and when we say eye level, that's where if you're if if you're sitting upright or you're standing upright, and your head and neck are are kind of neutral, looking forward. The, the rule in ergonomics is that your eyes hit either somewhere between the top of the screen and one quarter of the way down the screen. So um, th- what that forces your body to do is to, to stay upright because now that your attention is focused horizontally, you're not going, you're naturally just not going to droop and start leaning forward. And so um, being able to move that sweet spot up and down for people is we, we want to have that functionality but kind of a funny thing though with ergonomics is that given the chance a lot of people will adjust their ergonomic setups to a non-ergonomic position because it's it's kind of how we're used to slouching it, it does take a bit of effort to stay in a upright good position so uh, there's there's actually kind of a benefit of the first version in that it, it wasn't adjustable it, it sort of forced people in a more upright posture position and, that, and that's actually a, kind of an unsolved problem we have right now is how do we how do we at scale educate people to set their setup up correctly so that um, it is in the best position form and what I've noticed is if you've worked at a big company, before they'll usually have on staff ergonomists or they'll have someone come in and do um, an an eval of your workstation and so they'll they'll get you set up right but it's not a skill set that is super common to be able to set your workstation up yourself like that so um that's something we've been playing with for for going forward is a um uh you know adding that education piece in a In an effective way and i think that's always hard because there's tons of ways to not do it effectively and just be annoying so that's another area we want to keep solving
2: so some kind of onboarding video training maybe or something that comes with the product that that helps people understand this is what you should be doing with the product
0: exactly yep yep some kind of some aids of some sort training exactly an onboarding
2: yeah that's a that's a that's a real unique challenge with a with a physical product, uh, you know, as opposed to digital where people are already onboarding on screen.
0: Right. Yeah. And in the, in the, if you watch any of the unboxing videos, you know, the, the first thing most people do, and I, I, I don't blame them because I probably do the same is just throw out all the instruction manuals, right? Because it's like <laughs> people, the, the expectation is that like people don't want to have to put a new wrinkle in their brain of how to use something, you know, it, it should just conform to how we already use things. And that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a real interesting um, space there. How do you do that? And I would
2: imagine that it becomes a kind of a, a a conversation with all of the other ergonomics products that are out there, that it becomes kind of a coalition Based education movement, where you need you need yeah. to you need to work with the people who have ergonomic keyboards, ergonomic mice, uh, and you know ergonomic mount, mount monitors and displays and 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 uh, and desks and chairs. I mean, like all of those things together. If everybody is is beating the same drum, then I think it helps to move people in the in the right direction. Yeah, that's a great great point. Great idea.
1: When you said, well, you know, eventually, you know, when people told me that they don't need it, eventually I tell them, well, you know, I, that will catch up with you. And I know exactly what you mean, because I've been suffering from back pain for, for many, many years. And then you just said in this segment, well, you know, people when given the chance will go to the bad posture. And I couldn't help but laugh. Looking at right now, I, you know, my current setup, and you know, I'm temporarily in some place, and yes, I am sitting in the worst position possible for my back. Okay, <laughs> that I'm sure I will pay off in in a little bit. But as you were saying that, I was like, oh, great, yes, he's right. I need to pay more attention to this, and and I guess yes, that's a that's a massive a massive challenge, especially that is one of the things on the virtues i think on on the roof is how light and small this is to carry it with you, you to be able to get a better position in other you know when you're when you're remotely or when you when you're working different places because other than that most people i don't i mean this really exceptional the companies that are giving desktops over laptops that then it's now more for the user to figure it out that good ergonomic posture that most likely they are not
0: this is my pie in the sky goal but the way to solve humans like human nature to to just kind of revert to the whatever the most slouchy or you know at the time comfortable relaxed posture is but at the you know doing long-term damage um the, the way i I have the theory; it's not been proven yet. But if if you can make something that is actually just cool, like it, it's it's cool, it's fun, it's neat, and and there's you know you have some other base human like kind of you know the reptilian part of your brain that you just want to use something cool, or you you know there, you just have a kind of in, irrational reason to use something. If you can, if you could fire up that mechanism to counteract the the other part of the reptilian brain that just wants to slouch and be lazy, then maybe you can find a, um, you know, kind of hack, hack that behavior by just making it a cool thing to do. And so um, trying to make it look neat, trying to make it easy to use is all pushing towards that, that cool factor. And, um, and I, and I, the other part of that too, is if, if you can make it cool enough, then all the kids would want to buy it. Cause when I did most of my damage was, Really in probably in college and in my early twenties, when I really didn't pay attention to it and and, and set those patterns up for a, a lifetime of those kind of slouchy patterns if if there had been something cool and it had been on my radar when I was that age and you know I wasn't buying it for for ergonomics, but I was just buying it because it was the end thing, you know I'd be really happy with that providing that hidden benefit so that you're not trashing yourself later.
2: Yeah, kind of on that same vein then, maybe it becomes a game that you guys develop that's on the mobile phone and on the desktop that engages a, a younger generation to to learn about ergonomics. And then the product is one of the tools one can use in the process of getting there. I don't know, I just see something very very unique and interesting associated with that for for adults like I can see you creating just a small application that prompts me to sit up hey ray you know once an hour are you slouching uh, and then that being the trigger for me to say oh yeah you know what or it just you know on occasion saying are you sitting at your laptop and not using the roost and that just being a reminder right and uh, and and I think that could be very very useful to people but for a younger generation, it has to be more uh, dynamic. And so then it becomes, uh, you know, using game design to say, are you doing all of these things to get the right points to be more ergonomic in your structure throughout the school day and through when you get home? You know, are you are you getting the right lighting? Are you getting the right, you know, sound? Uh, and is the air quality good? Like all of those things to educate them that these are things you need to think about in order to have proper Uh, biological function while you're working and then the roost is just a part of that i just i think there's something really unique there i I like i like the idea of it
0: yeah no i i do too um i I, i've seen it done really poorly a number of ways uh so i just have kind of sitting back (laughs) like trying to you know maybe let let others get all the ways that don't work out of the way that like so when i was at a uh, at a big company, they would install this software that would monitor your your keyboard movements and everything like that. And it was it was almost like um, like Microsoft Clippy. Remember that amazing invention? <laughs> um, it, 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 would, it would like pop up on your screen and tell you to do something. And I mean, probably after a week, you're just like, "This is like, how do I delete this thing?" Um, but I was also yeah, like in my early 20s, and so that was definitely not. The right um, way to interact with, however, I was seeing the world at that point. Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe like streaks or something, like the you know some yeah gamify the gamify the process. Yeah,
2: I think that I think that'd be really interesting.
0: Yeah, the the the, the other thing though is that the the payoff on it is um, it, I forget the term, but it's like a, I think it's called an, an intangible good. I think is the you know it, it's like you're it's kind of like brushing your teeth you know you're not you don't you don't get rid of a cavity by brushing your teeth but if you do it every day you're gonna have a uh, an effect long term and a preventive effect and it's um you know what's the what's the psychology behind behind that you know to scare you into it or you know cigarette packages with terrible photos on them he you knows it how do you <laughs> You know, do you show a picture of like fused vertebrae to people every every half hour or something like that? Yeah. So some some
2: people some some people need fear-based marketing. And uh and so yeah, so maybe that maybe that could work. Uh I, I tend to be on the positive motivation side of things and wanting to positively motivate behaviors, but there's still a business model that needs to be adhered to. So if you need to, if you need to scare people to make them, uh, you know, do the right thing uh, and it makes sense for the business, maybe that's the right thing to do. Uh, I wanted to just make note of the fact that you all, because it's a portable tool, this is just one thing that I noticed about the entire experience when, when you sent us the, uh, the, the, the roost to try out. I, Looked at it and I said, "Oh, this is really great." Which is, you have a roost recovery program. So it's this little card that you include within the product, and you act, you activate it with a code. And if the roost is lost, someone who has found it can then just you know punch in this code and and uh, return it to the owner. And I just I just wanted to commend you for thinking through the process because this. Obviously happens, and I don't know what your numbers are in terms of the number of people who activate and use this program, but i just I thought it was uh, very very um forward thinking and I hope more people who were doing mobile products like these small electronics small uh kind of 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 products that move around with people that they think about something like this uh, recovery program that you guys have set up
0: yeah, yeah certainly um, you know that that came up with this thought of like how do we just add more value to to people that are already moving around a lot what problems are they encountering and what's a what's just like an easy thing for us to to throw in there um and and that's actually something we
2: don't even advertise at the moment that's why i'm telling people (laughs) people need to know this this is such a great value on top of the roost itself i mean that's really
0: yeah no it's um um we've iterated on it a couple of times. That's why we, I think we're still playing with the recipe, but um, ideally it's something that you could put that sticker or we give you a couple stickers and you could put one on your laptop. You could put one on your cell phone and, and it's just uh, um, an easy, an easy thing to do that helps out. Um, Yeah. I'll have to look at the activation rates, but because we don't advertise it, I think a lot of people just throw it out. Um, So it's not like a huge, a huge activation number, um, but I think it's over. Probably over like 10 15 percent. Probably more than a typical insert, if you will. Um,
1: Nobody, nobody's buying a product with the hope to sell it, but uh, to to lose it. But I, but I agree. I agree with that. I think, you know, I notice on my own, you know, my home office. I have the the iPads, and that's what is in front of me. But there is an old MacBook Air that is being towards the right in in a desk and what I have noticed since you sent the, the roost is I raised it. And then now the it's not that I use it a lot because I don't, but it is always there. And now the screen, it is, at, you know, at the right height. And I didn't notice really, obviously, until the product arrived, how... How comfortable is to have all the three, three screens at the same height instead of have them, you know, a at, at different thing. So, so that, was, that was really cool for me to, to really discover.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, uh, that's, that's something we thought about, actually, is like, it's, um, you know, how do you give people a trial? You know, it's hard to do a free, a free one-week trial with a hardware product. I mean, some companies have done it, like, right? you know, Warby Parker, they'll send out five frames to try on and then you pick one and then they pop the prescription lenses in it that, you know, after you send them back. So we've, we thought about that. How do you get people the experience um, at home so they can try it out? Um, and that, that's on the, that's kind of on that list of things we'd like to still experiment with of, you know, do you give a, almost like a, we just have a, a flat pack version that's really low cost and they could set that up or do you you give them a a free return label and allow people to demo it for a week before sending it back or something. Uh, Because yeah, I think it's, yeah, once you use it, you're like, Oh man, this is way better. (laughs) This is, this is like so much better than hunching over. I had no idea that was such a big deal. And I I think though that like the, uh, the group of people we really speak to most is, are those that already know they have a problem. And they found that out from either uh, going to a physiotherapist, a chiropractor, or maybe they had an ergonomist tell them like, Hey, you know, you can't hunch at this laptop anymore. Um, And so they've already gone through like a cycle of trying to solve this on their own. And so then it's kind of an easy sell. It's like, Oh man. Okay. Perfect. This is, yep. This is it. No questions asked. Thanks. And uh, and that's like such a big group of people, I think still, especially when you get into like a corporate environment uh, and been now with more people that are working out of co-working spaces and whatnot, but that's not going to last forever. So um, having, having tools to, to broaden and, and, and get people on educated about this thing is the next, you know, we definitely want to look at that going forward too.
1: And I will be curious. I don't know the, the the answer to to this. This is just, you know, mostly because you mentioned back pain, and I mentioned, but and I and I leave the back pain. But chiropractors' offices they they tend to have all these tools for the people who go and you know get, go to get fixed and and straight. And um, actually, my own story was that I went to the chiropractor after, you know, everything else has failed and chiropractor told me, well, I can help you fix your back pain, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. Not exactly what you want to hear, but, um, but he went to his promise. Okay. He got a lot worse before he got better, but now I tend not to have the back pain, but, but one of the things we went into was you know some of those ergonomics and how i was doing some of the things and and maybe you know not necessarily educating or try to educate one by one but maybe educating the people who is looking into these postures day in and day out who you know are giving the solutions so who, who are going to be listened to because they are already bringing some of that healing
0: yeah certainly um no that's uh, to when a when a healthcare professional can recommend something, uh, you get that immediate authority. That um, we'd we'd love to be right in there that in that discussion at the time. Um, you know, as, in terms of business models, um, you know, started the product on Kickstarter. We're still probably really just a product, not a company, and um, kind of have hitched our wagons for the first two versions of the product to. The Amazon and direct, direct selling from our website. Uh, we we really aren't in many different types of wholesale or distribution. So, um, going forward, though, that entire space and how to most efficiently structure a successful business to 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 be there at that point is, um, this is something we're looking at. Um, and it's just, it's a whole whole different can of worms, though, in terms of how those. Types of industries operate, so we're yeah, still a bit of a learning process, but uh, one one that we're looking at too. We're just trying to trying to not have the business hinged on any one one um, uh, you know one type of model. Diversify.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I can see how you could have a you could have a really strong wholesale retail relationship with chiropractors, and you know so that they could you could drop ship you know, inventory to their shop and they could sell them directly in the, in the uh, retail environment for you. And, you know, so there's lots of opportunities there. I think that's really, really awesome. We're coming up on our time together and I wanted to just uh, kind of get from you a sense of, you know, you, you talked about being more of a product than a company and what's what's on the horizon for Roost and what do you, what do you think will come in the next version? Maybe, what what's going to benefit people's productivity more with regard to having this product, and what you really want to see happen with it? A little bit of vision, uh, you know, visionary thinking or forward thinking about what you want to happen in the next, say, eighteen to twenty-four months with the product.
0: The the thing that's kept the business successful is that the uh, the product is what we say it is, and that it it is as useful as people hear. From from someone else that recommends it to them or what we'd say on our website and um, just reinvesting everything into making the product even better and solving even better the, the, the challenges that um, people face when they're working remotely. And so um, uh, more, uh, more adjustability, more, um, more range so it can, fit a wider range of environments and, and body sizes. Uh, and then, and then also just the, uh, you know, the, the, it is not portable enough. Um, if you're carrying it every day with you, it still is uh, a bit bulky and uh, just making it smaller, lighter, more portable. Um, so kind of, you know, Apple went too far, but you know, just the, I believe Apple went too far with making things thinner. You know, their iPhones are bending in half and their iPads bend in half and whatnot. Um, so not, you know, the, don't go over the limit, but make it as portable and as small as possible. And then uh, there's also other devices. So like iPads, um, uh, we, we, that's definitely a, a growing request of, hey, I, you know, my entire workflow is on an iPad or on a tablet. And we wanna we wanna have a solution for that. So uh we got a couple other things too that I think are pretty massive engineering challenges that uh and honestly, honestly we've been working on them for almost over three years now and we're still still working on them that are solving like kind of even a bigger bigger problem in this space. And I, I don't wanna tip my hat on that yet, but um uh, we we do customer service and and um, and R and D. That's that's all we spend our time on. So, um, and it's about ninety five percent R and D and five percent customer service. So uh, the the team is a couple people here, full time uh, product designer, engineers, and just tr- continuing to make super useful uh, portable things that will help you when you're working remote is um, is what we want to just keep doing and. I think, I think there's a, a a few more milestones we want to hit and I hope to hit them within 12 to 18 months um that you know we'll actually have something to show for it um and uh, we'll would love to come back and talk about what we you know what we're what we're launching when we get to that point
2: absolutely yeah that'd be great that'd be great so as I always like to ask people you know, that we like to ask people when they come on is, what's a practical tip that people can take away from listening to today's episode? And more to the point of the roost is, is there a unique use of the roost that you've seen people? I'm I'm curious if there's any really unique uh, circumstances that people have used the roost for, or in unique places. And uh, if you have kind of a story or or a tip or a trick for folks.
0: Uh, this is crazy someone was i think at the G20 summit a couple of years ago and they had their MacBook Pro that they were using for all of their audio video compiling they had that on a roost and then they took a photo with like all the world leaders behind it you know from from their point of view with the roost in there um and, and so yeah i mean we want to make a product that um Professionals that you know that if you're if you're recording the G20 stuff, you know, you can't have any bad equipment so um, that's that was really cool to see that Um, and in terms of uh, one thing to try um, That uh, there's a bit of a growing movement towards it, but it's this uh, idea of like single screen single app meaning not just on your phone, but on your on your laptop screen, so uh, it's a swing back in the other direction from multi screens and multi monitor. So you just have a single thing of focus and all of your attention is on that one box and you and you've got all your other notifications turned off. So just kind of siloing you into a certain work piece of work uh, that when you only have a laptop screen and it's only so big, it really is, is great for that. And we've had a number of people really get into that type of work and um, And I'm actually not doing that myself now because I have a big widescreen monitor that I have way too many tabs open on. Um, And I, a a couple months ago before I got that monitor, I was, I did all my work on just a 15 inch MacBook pro. So everything was on that one screen and that's all I had. And I think I'm kind of, might be getting the edge to go back just to the single screen again. So um, I think that's fun to try if people are overwhelmed with multi-monitors and try try going just single, single piece in front.
2: Yeah, definitely. I definitely see the value in focus. I actually thought about the idea, you know, uh, probably back in the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, there was a movement toward having these uh, privacy screens, you know, either overlays on the on the monitor that you had in your laptop. And when you went out in public, you know, someone looking from an angle other than directly straight on would, uh, you know, either block or you know, make it a little bit more uh, translucent or opaque so that you couldn't see what the person was working on. And I thought, you know, it'd be really interesting if there were blinders like, like horses have running down the racetrack. And those are actually blinders that were put on the laptop screen so that it actually blocks out peripheral vision. <laughs> so when you're looking at the screen, there was less stuff around you. Uh, and I thought, you know, that would look really, really awkward, but it would actually also be really, really useful in co-working environments where people have to put up with a lot of ambient around. noise totally. and movement yeah absolutely so if you if you had kind of like a, a, something blocking your your peripheral vision in some way shape or form that would actually be really 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 interesting and it would fall in line with this whole uh, you know attention movement uh to have a single app single screen kind of thing so really like really like that idea With that, I want to thank James Olander from Roost Stand for joining us here on Productivity Cast. Thank you, James. Thanks, guys. And so, with that, if you have a question for James about Roost, feel free to head on over to the podcast website if you're not listening there. And they're at productivitycast.net forward slash 065, which is the episode number. So, productivitycast.net forward slash 065. There at the bottom of the page, you'll find a comment field. You can leave a comment or a question, and one of us will be glad to respond. And if you have a question for James, we'll try and get that answered for you. You'll also find the transcript in text as well as in PDF. So you can download that and read that through as well if you would like. Uh, also on the page there on the right hand side, you should see the subscribe option, So you can follow us across any of the favorite podcast apps that are out there, um, and you can go ahead and uh, subscribe as you wish. If you have a question about personal productivity generally or a topic you'd like us to discuss, feel free to visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact, and there on the contact page, you'll be able to leave us a voice and or written message, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks to James Olander, founder of Roost Laptop Stand, and to my co-host, Augusta Panout for joining me here on this productivity cast. If you could, please leave a rating or review in Apple podcasts and or the soon to be uh, (laughs) defunct iTunes. Um, You can leave a a review also in Stitcher and um, just to let us know how we're doing. uh, Help us to grow our personal productivity listening community as well. We really appreciate the feedback. And so thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of productivity cast the weekly show about all things personal productivity. Here's to your productive life.
0: That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Penaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.